power is in your hand. I thank you, Lord God, that you, Father, are not limited in any way. Time and time again, Lord, you've shown yourself to be faithful to us. Time and time again, Lord, you've shown up in ways that we cannot fathom or imagine. Time and time again, Lord, you've used us, not because we are perfect, but because you decide, you decided by your grace to call us out of darkness. And I stand here this day, Lord God, knowing that I'm just a vessel and tool wanting to be used this morning. I pray that you would use me. And Father, I died in myself that your son might live afresh. Holy Spirit, let there be a fresh baptism over this word that this word will bring forth the kind of fruit unto everlasting life, and that, Lord God, it would change the listener for the better as we grow in our love and our affection and our commitment to you. We thank you, and I praise you for this opportunity that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter number 11. The Gospel of Mark, chapter number 11, and we'll begin reading in verses 20 through 24. Mark, chapter number 11, we'll begin reading in verses 20 through 24. Uh, As we had said um, throughout the course of this month, we have been laying a foundation for a spectacular year. And I trust and pray that you have been making plans and that you have been believing God for a great 2010 And I think it's so important that as we move forward in God, that we have some goals and that we have some plans. And we not only have goals, but we figured out a plan on how to get there. And so we had just been um, just kind of just trying to encourage you and get you all excited about the prospects of what God wants to do in your life for 2010. And so today we're going to be talking about raising your expectations your sights and your expectation, raising your sights and your expectation. Mark chapter 11, verse 20 through 24. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatsoever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them. And you will have them. Verse 24 again. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things, whatever things, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Father, help us as we study. As a policeman, one of the things that we have to do on a yearly basis is what I call uh, what they call uh, requalification. As you know, obviously, we carry weapons. And it's customary that usually at least once or twice a year that we would have to go and we would have to uh, get a certain score in order to continue to carry your weapon. 
And so I'm not like a lot of policemen. I guess, you know, I, you probably wouldn't know that I was in law enforcement unless I told you. But, um, you know, I don't do a whole lot of uh, shooting my weapon off duty. Uh, usually my, the bulk of my training is going to be when I go to work. That's just the way it is, has been for me for almost 20 years now that I've been in law enforcement. But I, there came a time, and it still does come from time to time, when I was at the range, I was shooting, and they would have these firing line instructors, and they would just kind of stand there, and they would watch over you and make sure that everybody was following proper protocol. And if you don't do it in shooting, or you don't practice like anything else, uh, you know, it's a perishable skill. You can, you can lose it. You can diminish in your ability to be able to shoot. Just little small things that just throw your bullet completely off. So I'm at the range, and I'm shooting at the range there, you know. And I, and I begin to notice that all of my bullets, and this has happened like the last couple of times I went to the range. Now, I had been qualifying. I shot well enough to qualify. But I noticed all my bullets was going in a downward direction. And I'm like, man, I'm like, why? And so, you know, and, and because I, I'm not practicing as much and really trying to understand it, you know, and just really spending time with it, uh, I begin to try to ask, well, maybe it's my grip. Maybe I'm not holding the gun firm enough, you know. If you ever fired a weapon, when you shoot a weapon, it has, a, you know, it kind of, it, it, it got a lot of what, what we call a um, recoil. Thank you so much. That's all I was looking for. So you have to hold that thing firm. So I'm, thought, I'm like, well, maybe my grip is not firm enough, so I'm starting to bear down on it a little tighter. And that still wouldn't work. I was still shooting low. But it's still going that low. And I said, well, you know, maybe I'm, it's the trigger, you know. We call it slapping the trigger. You know, they always tell you when you're shooting a weapon, don't anticipate so a good shooter will stand, he'll aim at his target, and it's a smooth trigger pull. So I'm thinking to myself, maybe I'm slapping the trigger, and when you slap the trigger, what happens to the bullet? It goes down. So I'm starting to concentrate. Maybe it's your trigger pull. So I'm saying, okay, I'm going to concentrate real smooth, and I'm real smooth, and I'm shooting, and I still notice my bullets were still going in the downward direction. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? So then I start thinking, well, you know, maybe I know what it is. I'm getting a little bit older. I can't see quite as well as I used to. Y'all know I've been struggling trying to read here lately. So I'm thinking, so, you know, I'm thinking, you know, maybe I just need to start trying to, you know, wear some glasses. So I'm really thinking here I need to go to the eye doctor because, you know, I used to be a good, I mean, I used to go to range and I used to, I used to shoot expert every time something was wrong. Suddenly one of the instructors looked at me. He said, you know what was happening? I said, what? He says, your sights are too low. I said, what are you talking about? He says, yes, like, and he said, the way you're holding the gun, you're holding the gun like this, and your head is kind of going down this way, instead of raising your sight level, getting the proper sight picture, and aiming toward the target. Because, you know, they always tell you, you use your sights. Well, I wasn't using my sights properly. Therefore, because I wasn't using my sights properly, they were, I was shooting too low, which caused all my bullets to go down because I didn't raise my sights. And boy, and I raised my sights suddenly, man, my shooting got better. I can shoot from the 25-yard line now, and I can land it right where I want to. Just all that was because I was shooting too low. I believe it's that same way sometimes with the people of God. That sometimes our experiences that we've had in life, how many know that we bring baggage into the kingdom, right? We come into the kingdom of God and you bring your experiences, whatever your childhood experience was, whatever your emotional, relational experiences was. You bring all that into the kingdom of God. And sometimes you allow those things to define you. 
And you begin to limit God, not really thinking that you're really limiting God. And so what we're talking about this morning is raising your expectations, because I believe as the people of God, God wants us to believe for big things. How many of you know that you serve a big, awesome God? I mean, God is not limited. He is all powerful. He is all knowing. All things are held together by the word of his power. He spoke the world into existence. He is not limited in any way. He is strong and mighty. He created the heavens and the earth with one breath. He breathed a life breathed life into men. And, and, and God, when we think about God, we, we, we understand and we know that he's all-powerful, that he's all-knowing, he's all-wise, he's not limited, but yet I believe sometimes we shoot way too low. And God began to deal with me about that in my own personal life. Because some of us, we've been defined, you know, we, you know we, we've had bad relationships, and we says, well, you know what? My mom had bad relationships. My dad did. My cousin, my uncle. Then, you know what? Then I can't expect a whole lot more than that. Or in my family, you know, there was a huge problem with alcohol and immorality. And, oh, you know what? My mom struggled. Dad, then, you know, and then we begin to kind of fall into thinking to ourselves that perhaps, you know, um, uh, I'm going to be the same way. When we begin to shoot low in life and we begin to expect to expect the mediocre things, we're just happy with just saying, I'm a Christian and just getting by. But I don't believe that's the way God wants us to live. Let me tell you something. When you read the book of Acts, when you read the the uh, New Testament, boy, I tell you what, there was a lot of excitement. Those people were believing God for miracles. They were not content with where they were. Their expectation was way up here all the time. Jesus was constantly telling his disciples, you need to raise your level of thinking. You need to raise your expectation. God, where are, in the world are we going to get money? As we talked about this last week, how are we going to feed all these people? You got to raise your expectation. You serve a God that is not limited in any way. Question is, what do you expect from God this year? What kind of, what kind of level, what, what is your level of expectation that you have for God? See, it's a spiritual and psychological fact that we move toward what we see in our minds. You know, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. See? So again, I ask you, what is your expectation going into 2010. What are you believing God for? You are what you think, and you will get what you expect. You are what you think, and you will get what you expect. I remember some years ago, you might have heard me use this analogy, but I'll use it again because it's perfect for this message. How many of you remember that fight when Mike Tyson fought Michael Spinks. Y'all remember that fight? Back in the 80s. You remember that fight? No? One person remember? You don't remember that fight? Michael Spinks and Mike Tyson fought in 1988? Y'all know Mike Tyson, right? How about that? Y'all know Mike Tyson. Okay, good. Okay, you remember the Holyfield fight. Well, I'm going to use the Michael Spinks fight. Well, Mike Tyson was, at that time, they called him Iron Mike. Mike Tyson never lost a fight. Mike Tyson was one of the few people that I ever saw knock somebody out with a body blow. 
And, uh, you know, Mike Tyson's fight traditionally lasted no more than two or three rounds. That was on the If you went four rounds with Mike, you, you're, you're pretty good. Uh, and so Mike Tyson now is going to fight for the heavyweight championship of the world. He's going to fight Michael Spinks. Michael Spinks was the man. I was in college in those days. And it was back in 1988. I remember getting all excited, getting my popcorn, you know, and all my buddies. We're in college, and we're sitting there ready to watch this long fight, thinking, boy, Mike Tyson going to fight the heavyweight champion of the world, Michael Spinks. And, and, you know, Michael Spinks, you know, was a pretty good fighter. So yeah, he's like, we're like, yeah, but this is going to be a good fight. And we're going to get all this food. And that fight, and, and, and let me tell you something. Before I say that, as you know how they do this and how the people come walking into the ring, they all come, you know, uh, the boxers, they come in and they play their little music and they start doing their little dance. And I'll never forget, I saw something. I, Michael Spinks came. Mike Tyson came and he was like, mm, you know, and he looked like somebody who's just deranged, you know. <laughs> and I'm looking, I'm like, boy, hey, you know, boy, I wouldn't want to mess with him. And, and Michael Spinks came in and wouldn't make eye contact with nobody. He came in and I looked and I said, now, I wasn't even following God, but I knew, I said, that boy he is already defeated before he get in the ring. He is scared to death. I could look at him and I could see that he was terrified before he threw a first punch. And sure enough, the fight goes on. The fight starts. And from the beginning, he's running like this. And Mike Tyson is on him. And Mike Tyson is on him. And 90 seconds, all 90 seconds, I hadn't even ate a chip. Michael Spinks goes down. You know how Michael Spinks went down? Michael Spinks had no expectation that he was going to win. He didn't believe that he was going to beat Mike Tyson. All he was thinking about is, I just want to survive. I don't think God, do you believe that God wants his children living that way? God wants us to be soaring. God wants, listen, you are a winner in the kingdom. But you got to expect to win in every area of your life. You see, if you don't expect to win, if you, if you sit around home and you talk about all the negative, you know, if I'm going to believe in God for a job, well, you know what? I'm, I'm talking about jobs. I'm expected, expecting God not only to give me a job, but to give me a what? Good job. I'm believing God for a great marriage, a great relationship. I'm believing God for kids that are going to serve God. You know, that's what I'm going to speak because that's what I expect. I expect to be prosperous in every aspect of my life. Because as you think, so are you. If you think that you're going to lose in this area, then you probably are. If you think that you're a nobody, then you know people will perceive you based on how you think of yourself. You know, people, just like Mike Tyson, can look at Michael Spinks and he said he could look at Spinks and tell Spinks was afraid of him. You know, the enemy can do the same thing. The enemy knows when he got you on the run. But see, there's something about the people of God that got to have an expectation that, you know what, that I am going to win in 2010. The things that plague me in 09, this year is going to be a whole different year. And so we have to confess what you expect. Mark chapter number 11, our foundational text. He says, have faith in God. That's the first thing. He did not say there, have faith in CNN. He did not say, have faith in NBC. He did not say, have faith in Fox. He did not say, have faith in your spouse. He did not say, have faith in your children. 
He did not say have faith in the president. The call here is to have faith in God. How do you know that God will never let you down? He's the constant. The Bible says that he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. So my faith and your faith should be in God. But I love how he says, therefore, he says in verse 24, he says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive and you will have them. How many of you have been praying and asking God for something? Show of hands. Have anybody been praying and asking God for anything? Anything. How many of you expect that you're going to get an answer? Wow. That's good. So you, you expect that what you're praying for that you're going to get. That's good. Because if you did not expect it, why pray it? See, here's what he says. He says, now, now here's, how many know a command is a command? Jesus says, therefore, when you stand, when you pray, believe you receive it. And you'll have what you say. So here's what I do know in God, that I have to first have an expectation that what I'm about to ask God for, that God is going to bring it to pass. Well, well, pastor, what if uh, it doesn't happen that way? I don't get into all that. Let me tell you why I don't dwell on that, because when you read the scriptures, there's nothing in the word of God that speaks a whole lot about the what is. Yeah, I mean, we all know that God is sovereign and we all know that God is going to have his will. But he's giving me and you command. He said, look, when you pray, you believe that what you pray, you ought to expect that you're going to get what you ask for. Other than that, why pray the prayer if I'm going to pray and ask God for something and not really believe or expect it's going to happen? Raising your level of expectation. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. They that come to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So whatever it is I'm praying for, I'm believing God for, I don't care what it is, then I'm believing that when I ask God that at that very moment I am confessing and I am expecting that God is going to give it to me just as I prayed. That should be the attitude of every single believer. That should be our attitude, that when we pray, that we have an expectation that God is going to move. He says, whatever things you ask when you pray. So he says, whatever things, whatever things, whatever things. You know, I begin to think about that. I thought, so here he's not, he's not putting us in a box. Now, obviously, we know we can't ask God anything that's contrary to his will. We already know that. That's a given. But he says, whatsoever thing. So that's almost like, you remember God came to Solomon in a vision, and God said to Solomon, he said, Solomon, ask what you will, and I'll give it to you. Whew, boy, I said, Lord, I've been waiting and waiting. I would love for the Lord to show up and say, Gary, ask what you will, and I'll give it to you. You know, that's what he did with Solomon. Now, Solomon, whew, Solomon was wise. Bible says Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. Solomon could have asked for anything he wanted to. You know, when God gives you a blank check, ask for whatever you will, you know. Boy, that's a blank check. Ask. God and God would have gave it to him. I really believe that. But Solomon said, Lord, 
I want wisdom so that I can guide and lead your people. How many of us would have been that spiritually mature to say that? <laughs> Solomon said, Lord, I just, want, I just want wisdom and skill to lead your people. God said, Solomon, you know what? Not only am I going to give you wisdom to lead the people, but you know all the other stuff that you didn't even ask for? Guess what? I'm going to load you up with that too. Boy, that sounds something like seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added unto you. Wow. Ask what you will. So when our expectation, let me tell you something. So then when your expectation is in line with God, the sky is the limit. Think about it. He started saying, Lord, bless me, Lord, with an abundance so that I can sow into your kingdom. Do you think that God wanted to honor that prayer? God, I want to expand your kingdom. Lord God, I want to get as many people saved as I possibly can. Let me tell you something. When you start praying prayers like that, walking out of the door, Lord, today I want to be able to witness to 10, 15, 20 people. I'm going to lead somebody to Christ. Lord God, use me today. Let me tell you something. You step out with that kind of faith, that kind of expectation. You can expect that you're going to get it. You can expect that you're going to get it. So God. So God says. Whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe. Have an expectation. Because what I'm asking God for is in line with his will. And anything that you ask God for that is in line with his word and his will, you can confess that and you can believe that and you should believe that and you should believe God for the best. Raising your expectation. You heard me say before, when I first came in my neighborhood, growing up where I grew up at, I had no expectation. Everything around me was, you know what? All I want, if I could just get a trailer. This is what I thought. I just had a trailer with a little car. I'm happy. That's all I need in life. And I remember when I first got my house, I remember walking in the driveway and I looked at it and I said, Lord, you know, you want me to live here? I can have that. And God was beginning to show me something. And it wasn't about the property. It was about faith. You know, everything God does in your life is not just about you. It's always about something bigger. Now, it includes you. Just in case you think that God forgets you, he doesn't. God just wants you thinking right. He wants you, he wants you to raise your level of expectation that he wants you living by faith. He wants you living in such a way that you're believing for people to get saved. You believe that I'm sick, that I will be healed. You believe that you're going to be financially free. You believe that God will give you not only two or three families, but that God will give you the city. <laughs> God will give you the nations. Did he not say that, you know, the prophetic word in the book of Psalms, the prophet prophetically spoken, ask for the nation and I'll give it to you for an inheritance. Think larger and bigger than what you think. Look at Genesis chapter number 13, if you will. Genesis chapter number 13. Verses 14 through 18.
you know, God had constantly had been talking to Abraham. Now, this is, I want you to hear this. This is, this is, this is a good word. You know, and you go back, and you don't have to turn there, but if you went back to Genesis chapter 12, you would see that God tells Abraham. He says, Abraham, I want you to leave everything that you're familiar with. I'm going to take you to a goodly land. I'm going to, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Before, before God shows up and uh, begin to talk to Abraham, Abraham wasn't well known. Abraham was just a, a man. I mean, he had cattle. He, 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 was, he was doing well for himself. But there wasn't anything spectacularly great about Abraham. But God began to drop a seed. And as you read the book of Genesis, you will see over and over and over again, God will show up in Abraham's life and he would say to Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Abraham, I want you to look up to the stars of heaven, Abraham. And see Abraham that as if you can count the stars of heaven, you can count your descendants. I'm going to bless you. Well, look what he says here in uh, Genesis chapter 13, verse number 14 through 18. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot has separated from him, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. He's talking about raising your expectations. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the timbereth trees of Mamre which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. Now, the first thing that God says to Abraham here in this passage is, lift up your eyes. What was he trying to get Abraham to see? He said, Abraham, lift up your eyes. Because, see, I believe that just like we do sometimes, we think, and, and, you know, we don't like to say it, but we think sometimes that the blessing of God, that we get a nice home, we get a nice car, and we get nice material things, we, we kind of think that that is the blessing. And that is a blessing. Don't get me wrong. But how do we know that's not what God is after? When God was saying to Abraham, lift up your eyes, he was telling Abraham, Abraham, you need to see bigger than what you see. I'm going to bless you, Abraham. I'm not going to listen. I'm not just going to give you a piece of lot just for you and your family, Abraham. The plan that I have for you is going to extend beyond just you and your family. And you, Abraham, all the families of the earth is going to be blessed. In other words, Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. Abraham, I'm going to do something marvelous in your life. This is not just about you. I'm going to bless you, but I want you to raise up your sight. So what he says to Abraham, he says, lift up, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. You need to see Abraham bigger than what you've been seeing. See, this is what God is trying to get the church to see today. That God is trying to get us to see bigger than the here and now. You know, we live in this earth and, and you know, and, and, you know, the Bible says, the Bible says in Matthew, I believe, uh, chapter number six, it talks about how we're not to be, how we're not to be concerned about what we will eat, what we will put on and all that. Because the Bible says that the Gentiles seek after that. But he tells us to seek first the kingdom. But, you know, most of most people, I wouldn't say most, but I would say in the American church, there are a tremendous amount of people inside the body of Christ that they think all of their Christian experience is just about getting more stuff. 
And I like stuff. How many of you like stuff? Everybody likes stuff. But that's not what it's all. That's a blessing. But that should not be the main focus of where we are. God is trying to get us to raise our expectations. God said, I don't want to just bless you, but I want to bless your city. I want to bless the nation. I want to, I want to bless people around you. You know, God put you in that community to be a blessing, not just so that you can live in a nice home and just chill with just you and live life happily ever after and die. He put you there so that you can be a light where you are. And he blessed you with that. If you got a 6,000 square foot house, God ain't giving people 6,000 square foot house just so that they can live in it and say, wow, woohoo, look at me. Thank you, Lord. He's given us that place. He's given us all of that to expand his kingdom. And so it's bigger than just us. So we got to raise our level of thinking and the way we look at blessing. And I believe that many of us are not blessed as we could be blessed because our perspective is wrong as it relates to blessing. But then when we begin to focus in on the kingdom of God, when we begin to make God the priority in our lives, I mean, really make God priority. I mean, really saying, God, you are the very reason why I do what I do. God, I'm going to live my life totally sold out for you in every aspect, in every way. God, everything I do is going to be because of you. Boy, let me tell you something. You got that kind of attitude. Great things are going to happen to you. Because God has not only blessed you, the things that everybody's been clamoring for, but he's going to make you a blessing. How many of you want to be a blessing? You look at the situation over in Haiti. Boy, I wish I was Bill Gates. You know, that, that's, I mean, you know, and, and you know, you understand what I'm saying? Because he has, he have an abundance. He can sell two, three million, four, ten million. I mean, what? Th- that's, that's blessing. To be able to, to sow that way and to be able to give. That's what the real blessing is. But see, for us, we want to do it so that we can expand the kingdom of God. We want people to know Jesus. We want people to know that God wants you blessed. God wants you to have a great life. God wants you to have a great time. God wants you to enjoy yourself. But God wants you first to be concerned about the kingdom. And when the kingdom becomes everything that we live for, let me tell you, the sky is the limit. God will give you everything that you're wanting. When you, it's when you listen, listen to this, it's when we start coming to a place that we start putting the kingdom third, fourth, fifth. We get our priorities out of whack. See, when God is not placed at the highest order in our life, everything else becomes cluttered. How many of you have found that to be so in your life? If God is not reigning in your life, you know what I mean when I say he's reigning. That means that he has full control of every aspect of life. If God is not at the top, then everything else is cluttered, it's confused, it's diminishing, particularly for the believer, because God is going to deal with us differently because we're his kids. God said, now, if you were the bastard, meaning that if you weren't one of his kids, you can do whatever you want. Do you ever wonder why God that I'm a child of God and they can get away with that and I can't? Because you're a child of God. God disciplines those whom he what? Loves. He disciplines those whom he loves. Jump on over to 2 Kings, chapter number 13. 2 Kings, chapter number 13. Talking about raising your level of expectations. 
We're giving you the key to blessing. Hallelujah. Blessing in favor of God. Elijah was a mighty man of God. He was about to die. But look at this. And we'll start reading in verse number 14. Elijah had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elijah said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it, and Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, Open the east window, and he opened it. Then Elijah said, Shoot, and he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Apex till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck the ground. So he struck three times and he stopped. He struck three. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. You know, as I was reading that particular passage, and I thought to myself, well, you know, Elijah, what was it about this situation that you got angry at Joash the king? I mean, you told Joash to take the arrows and shoot the arrows on the ground, right? And so that's what he did. But then it says something that is suspicious to me. It says that the man of God got angry at him when he only shot the arrow three times to the ground and stopped. And I said, well, why, did he get, why is the man of God angry? Why, why are you angry? He said, you know what? If you would have struck the arrow, if you would have shot the arrow three, four, five, six times, Syria would have been defeated. But since you only struck the ground three times, then you're going to have a couple of victories. That's about it. But they're going to continue to torment you. See, here's what I believe that the prophet knew about this man. You know, because everything about God is what? Lessons. And God is always teaching us things. And I believe that the man of God saw something in Joash. That Joash had a certain expectation. And God was trying to raise his level of thinking. Because the Syrians were the enemies of Israel. They were always tormenting Israel. They always had problems with the Assyrians. And here it is that Joash, he shoots the arrow to the ground three times. The prophet of God gets mad and says, you know what, you, you would have destroyed them. And I believe that it speaks, I believe, as it relates to us sometimes, to complacency. That we get content with God for a little victory here, a little victory there. Think about it in your personal life. Maybe there's some, some sin habit you've been struggling with. Maybe it's something that you have been dealing with. And God wanted to annihilate it all together. And you, maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, okay, I'll just get the victory today. And God is saying, no, no, I am going to give you total victory telling that this thing will not bother you anymore. How many of you have been harassed with certain things in your life that you wish that, man, I just wish... This will just go away. This is what God is talking about. In this particular passage right here, the king, 
had low expectation and the man of God picked up on it. He said, you should have you should have expected more. I said, I think a couple of weeks ago that I never want to get to a place where I finally find myself before God and my expectations were too low. That God said you could have had this, you could have had that, but you shot too low. You didn't raise your sights and believe me for the best. You didn't raise your sights and believe that I can do exceeding abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think. You didn't expect me to deliver you. You didn't expect me to help you. You didn't expect to have a great relationship. You didn't expect to get out of debt. You didn't expect to get the victory in this situation. I don't want to live that way. I want to live in a way that I'm expecting God to come through for me. I'm expecting God to save my cousin, save my spouse, save my... I'm expecting it. Because you know why? Because I asked him. And I'm expecting a change. I'm believing God. I'm expecting God. You remember, I won't have you turn there for time's sake, but I've referred to it often, and I, 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 you know, I just love this story. But the woman with the issue of blood, you know, when she was going to touch, when she had that issue for 12 years, the Bible says it, the King James Version says issue, she had an issue of blood. She was hemorrhaging for 12 years. And you know, when she went and she touched Jesus, I love that story because there's nothing in there that says anything about her saying, what if I touch him and he don't heal me? What if I, I go through all that, I go through the crowd, and this is found in Mark chapter 5, right? If you all want to turn it, Mark chapter 5. But what, what if I go through all the crowd and, and I get there and I touch his garments and I'm not made whole? Then what? I don't see anything about that. There was no thought. You know what that lady said? And I wish I could meet her. I hope I get to meet her in heaven someday because I love, I love her testimony. She said to herself, all the people that are touching Jesus, thronging up against them, she gets through the crowd and she's talking to herself. Boy, if I just touch them, I'm going to be made whole. Listen, not that I'm just going to be made well for another year or two. Not that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be in remission. But I'm going to be made whole, completely healed well. This thing is never going to bother me again if I get a hold of Jesus. See, you got to have that kind of expectation that what's been troubling you. How many of you got issues? Every one of us got a issue. Then you have to have an expectation. If I can just touch Jesus, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, this thing will be defeated in my life. I am going to get the victory. I am going to succeed in life. I am going to prosper. This is going to be my season of breakthrough. This is my season for deliverance. She said, if I can just touch. And, and, we know, and, and, and let me tell you something. Expectation and faith always get God's attention. Jesus stopped in the middle. He says, whoa, somebody, somebody touched me. Well, how do you know that? A whole bunch of people touching your disciples said, what are you talking about? You lost your mind? He's not. Some power. Power went out from me. Power. Somebody touched me with expectation. Somebody touched me with some faith. And God is stopping his tracks when he finds, that's, that's why all of us should be people. You know, we talk about being people of faith and prayers of faith. And we pray here on Sunday morning. We're believing God for what we are asking for. We're really believing God for. 
She touched Jesus. Jesus says, woman, let it be unto you according to how you ask, according to how you pray. Receive your healing. The Bible says that very instant her blood dried up and her issue was gone. But let me tell you something. That issue was gone. Now, you, now issue could be, you can put it, that word issue there, make it anything you want. Think about your own personal life. That issue was resolved. But let me tell you why it was resolved. Because she expected, her level of expectation was up here. She says, if I touch him, I'm going to get made whole. If I, if I can find Jesus, if I can put my hand on this garment, I know. I'm not doubting. I, I, know about, I know I'm going to be made well. Did not Peter have an expectation when he walked on the water? Lord, bid me to come. Lord, just let me come out there. You know, we talk about all the people in the Bible. And we said, oh, yeah, the other guys, you know, you know Peter, we, 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 we tend to make fun of how Peter sink and and Peter, he looked away. And, but you know what I like about Peter? He at least got out. <laughs> he expected to walk on the water. You know why he expected to walk on the water? Because he said, Lord, bid me come. How is he going to get there? Bid me. Lord, I see you walking on the water. I want to walk on the water too. Lord, bid me come. Peter is, Peter is walking on water. He's walking on water. At least the other jokers who was in the boat who's talking about, what does he do? He sunk. Ha, 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 ha. At least he got out the boat and expected that if I step on this water, then I'm going to walk. So what God is saying to us this morning is, where's your, what are you expecting God to do in your life? Whatever you're expecting, that's what you'll have. God is saying we got to raise our level of expectation and believe God for the best. And, and don't limit God and put God in the box. I know sometimes we can do some things around here as we've been talking about in our plans for this church. You know, we're raising our level of expectation. Circumstances should not move you on how you do things, what you're believing God for. Faith. Faith does. I know that much. And so we do things on purpose with an expectation that fruit is going to result from my effort. Because if we did not believe it, why do it? If we don't expect a blessing, why do it? So he says in closing in Ephesians chapter 320, you got that up? Did I give you that verse, sister? So now unto him who is able. Now I want you to look at this. And we're closing. This is, this is the last scripture. This is who you serve. This is who we serve. This is our God. Now to him who is able to do. Now I make that prayer every week we go out of here. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Now I want you to think about that for a second. He's a God. So... In other words, think about the biggest blessing that you could possibly think about. Just conjure up something in your wildest imagination. He says, God says he can do exceeding abundantly above all. That means God can go way beyond that. Above all that we can ask a thing according to the power that works in us. He can do exceeding and abundantly. So we know that that's the kind of God we serve. Then let's not limit God. Let's believe God for the best. Let's believe God for the best in our relationships, our families, our finances, our jobs. 
in every area of our life. Our health. You know, when you get sick in your body, I was sick this weekend. Let me tell you, it was rough for me yesterday. My family was staying away from me. I'm just, you know, dealing with stuff. But I just start confessing the word over my body. And I, I expect I'm going to be healed. Is there anything wrong with that? I ain't nothing wrong with that. Because healing is the children's bread and we need to walk like it. We need to have an expectation. If I ask God for healing, I'm going to get my healing. And I ask God, my daughter said she want to go to law school. She want to be a doctor. Then he said, I expect to be going on. Now, daddy don't know all about how we're going to pay for that. But I expect that if I ask God, God will provide it for me. Because I just read he can do exceeding abundantly above. So is it a big deal for God to give somebody $20,000, $40,000 to go to college to get an education? Or probably a whole lot more. I'm sure I shot way too low on that. Because <laughs> it seemed like college education, by the time our little ones get up, I tell you, we, boy, we're going to really have to tap into that exceedingly and abundantly. <laughs> like never before. And so uh, let's pray. Sit up, son.